welcome to Gender Forking, a Twilight Saga podcast. I'm your host, Lori. I'm the other one, Sam. Today we're talking about chapters... 20, 21, and 22. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> it's a lot of plot. Oh, it's there's a lot. So much plot. <laughs> this is really... This is when it happens. It's almost over. <laughs> it's so funny because it's like nothing happens in these chapters, but also everything happens in these chapters. Right. <laughs> it's it's so i feel like the pacing of this book is so weird and it's like of course naturally i think any plot it does speed up towards like the climax of the plot right which is pretty much the end of the chapter that we ended with at the end of chapter 22 it feels like for twilight it's like so sped up for sure it's wild it's all happening over the course of a couple days if less i (laughs) can those of you listening along at home uh, tell that we are so not thrilled by the plot <laughs> and we hate having to talk about it <laughs> yeah it's like the least important part of this book especially I guess it's like the inverse of what happens I'm thinking about like tv shows when like they fight the bad guy and yeah. then they're like oh it was actually the big boss all along uh-huh. like the, there was the big boss like orchestrating who we thought was the bad guy uh-huh. and now we have bigger problems but it's like victoria is more annoying to fight than james because she assembles an entire army but james is the actually like threatening one obviously the the big bad of the twilight saga is the Volturi. Yeah. And the only time those things inter- intersect is that the Volturi know and eclipse what's going on and they're just hoping that Victoria takes out the Cullens. So yes. they just purposely don't get involved. And it's also like they don't fight the big bad ever. Ever. Yeah. It's like that happens in the movie. Right. Visually, but like yeah. it doesn't actually happen. It's interesting because it's like this is the biggest threat I mean, the Volturi coming and, like, fucking up the columns is the biggest threat, but this is the actual, like, the, the biggest threat that actually comes to a conflict. They, they fight the army, too, but yeah, they know about that ahead of time. Eh. That's eh. a pretty planned fight. Yeah. And it's, like, it's less interesting because it's, like, they know... They know it's coming. Yeah. The whole time they're just, like, there's gonna be a battle. We're getting mm-hmm. ready for the battle. And then they have the battle, and then it's fine. And then Breaking Dawn is, like... There might be a battle, and then there's not a battle. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the latest Midnight Sun blurbs that came out this week. Let's. Do you want to take turns reading them? Why don't you take the first one? Okay. So, this one is... Oh, my God. <laughs> this one's really good. Okay. It says, okay. every word we spoke here, each one of them was another pomegranate seed. <laughs> I can't believe it! Wow! So he's going to explicitly, like, every single, like, like, Edward is actually going to explicitly talk about a pomegranate. the parallels between the Hades and Persephone story and him and Bella. Oh my god. Wait, is that the whole quote? Yeah. Every <laughs> word we spoke here, each one of them was another pomegranate seed. Wow, I wonder where, the, where that's at. How fucking beautiful. I wonder How if it's like... gorgeous. God. Oh my god. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't believe it. Wow. Can you imagine if there was like a Bella equivalent that was like, every word we spoke here, each one of them was another Johnny Appleseed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll read the other one. Wow. Okay. I had a show to put on now. I knew the role I would play. I had the character down. I would be the villain. <laughs> that is pretty transparently to me at the beginning of the book. Right, which right? is so interesting because she must have rewritten the beginning of the book. Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm sure she I mean, changed this... a lot of the language. I'm sure the plot is like similar, but... Do you think this is what he's thinking in his head when he says out loud, I'm not the hero? What if I'm not the hero? What if I'm the bad guy? <laughs> I'm trying to think like what at what point during this stuff at the beginning is he trying to antagonize Bella to the point of It would that. have to be in between them meeting and the car crash or maybe even after the car crash yeah a little bit oh god wow wow those ones are so much shorter than the first two they are i really like the pomegranate seed ones i feel like that tells me a lot yeah for sure the series does make references to other literature pieces i feel like i want more Mm-hmm. <laughs> like i want more like i want more explicit references like it i feel like it's kind of unsatisfying to be like 
uh, Bella's reading uh, this book, and like that's the reference. Right, right. I feel like for him to be like pomegranate seeds. Wow. There's different tellings of like the Hades and Persephone story, and some of them are like sure. really casual. Like she actually mm-hmm. wanted to be there, like whatever. And then like there's like this whole like rape of Persephone myth that's like mm-hmm. Hades took her against her will and trapped her there, and it's really interesting to to like. Like, different people think about that story different ways. For sure. And so I feel like people would interpret this, like, parallel between Bella and Edward and Persephone and Hades in different ways as well. I think that Bella and Edward would interpret the story differently also. Totally. It's interesting. I feel like there's some myths or, like, retellings that have been a lot more sympathetic towards Hades. And I feel like Edward would obviously think the worst of himself. Yeah, for sure. And And Bella would be like... Yeah, the underworld. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I was like getting kind of emotional like while reading this section cuz I was like we complained about the plot but like this is going to be so good through Edward's perspective. Yeah. Like he's going to snap. He's going to just become totally unhinged when he finds out that Alice and Jasper lost Bella. Oh my god. And, like, yeah. Yeah. You're like the right. moment where he gets off the plane. <laughs> I almost wish we could see the moment where Jasper and Alice realize they lost Bella. I know. They need someone to obviously be at the airport. Well, I guess not. I guess they would just both go after her as soon as possible. I mean, we can talk about this when we talk about the chapters, but I just felt like... I feel like there's no world in which they don't catch up to her. I know. It's so hard. I thought about that so much. I'm like trying to rationalize like what happens and why it's not happening another way. But it's really hard for me to believe that this story unfolds the way that it does. I think Stephanie Meyer acknowledged, I don't know if she acknowledged that, but when she did, when she wrote Life and Death, she did acknowledge that she, there were some gaps in her like vision logic and that she changed in Life and Death. And I honestly don't even remember what those things were, but it might've been something to do with that. The Forks cast today, it is 57 degrees and cloudy in Forks. It's going to stay in the 50s and 60s all week. It's going to rain, be cloudy, be humid. It's a great time to be a vampire. <laughs> cool. Let's get into 20. I kind of, um, I, re- I read this last week because I thought we were doing it last week. So I just like, right. skimmed through it and like looked at my notes again. <laughs> I was just so nervous and anxious reading through a lot of this. It's so nerve-wracking. Basically, like they're going to Phoenix. They are driving to Phoenix. Yeah. Which is a choice. Mm-hmm. I feel throughout these chapters that there's little explanation about the mechanics of how vampires make choices for transit. For them, they're driving. When Edward decides to go to f- to Phoenix later, he flies. Flying is definitely faster. How fast can vampires run is the real question I have. Yeah, I mean, flying is faster than running. We yeah. know that. I don't know about driving. They couldn't run with Bella all that way. They couldn't run with Bella all that way. I think also what plays a factor is the, like, the geography of where they are. Like, Phoenix is very, like, there's not a lot of trees. Yeah, but also um, like the scent. True. They would have a direct trail if they were not if they were just running. They had to have to be in a vehicle of some kind. In this chunk of chapters, they talk about how James has made a choice to fly. From what they assume, they they think he's getting on a plane to mm-hmm. go back to Forks to start the hunt over again after like running all the way up to Vancouver. And it makes me wonder like obviously he's not Like, we know he's not flying to Forks. We know he's flying to Phoenix because we know that he's about to come get Bella. Why would he run to Vancouver the first time and then fly back? I think maybe they, like, Alice, Jasper, and Bella drove because of just the immediacy. Like, they can make it in one day. But, I mean, I don't know. They could have driven to Seattle in, like, probably less than an hour and a half and gotten on a flight there. Mm -hmm. But a flight is, like... You can't control stuff that happens at an airport. Like, there's still, like, the getting there and the waiting. That's true. And all of that, like, that adds time. It's probably, like, a three or four hour flight from from Seattle to Phoenix. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting is in Fifty Shades of Grey. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Let me get there. Christian Grey has a private jet because he's so rich. This is, like, the Edward equivalent in that in that 
it hurts universe a franchise yeah in that universe he's like the edward equivalent which is like yeah it's just so fucked up he has a private jet and they just like literally take the private jet almost everywhere they go i mean they have cars for whatever but like he'll fly the private jet to like dinner and shit like that and it seems like something the cullens can't do because of like fitting in yeah but do you think they ever have thought about like just getting a fucking plane like they have unlimited money (laughs) essentially it it seems like throughout the course of these four years the these four years these four books Mm -hmm. it seems like they go through so much shit and like they have to constantly be like kind of on the move and like ready to go and stuff like that that i feel like at some point one of them had to have floated the idea of like oh maybe we should just buy a plane and keep it at like a tiny little private airport and like whatever the mechanics of it are definitely confusing i can't i don't know why they do what they do (laughs) (laughs) ever yeah yeah i have a lot of qualms with like the choices that they make in in this plot like i don't know that i really mentioned it last time when they started talking about this plan for her to go to phoenix and like how you know it's a good plan that bella comes up with like not to drag bella but they have access to anywhere in the world and they decide the smartest thing to do is to go to phoenix arizona yeah i mean the the sort of like genius quote-unquote of her plan was supposed to be that James would never believe that she was going to go where she said she was going to go. And then that ends up, he ends up being like, of course you were going to go where you said you were going to (laughs) go. Yeah. Like, you know, in um, The Princess Bride, when they have the cups, it's like the scene where like he has the poisoned cup. Oh, yeah. Um, They go through that like logical thing of like, you think I'm going to pick this cup but you think I'm going to think that I'm going to, you think that I would think that this and that. And they just like go through like 90 levels of that where like, oh, (laughs) unless you think that the poison's in this cup and then I'm gonna whatever and it's like they had to take it literally one more step here to be mm-hmm. like oh of course like James would never think we would actually go where we were gonna go but then wouldn't he think we would not think like I don't know like it, the right. fact that they just like they just stopped. accepted it they have access to anywhere in the world and also like I don't know in this in this whole thing too like Renee feels like an afterthought Bella's like oh shit he got my mom like yeah you care about two people in the world and <laughs> you didn't think like, about one of them you didn't think about one of them well she she Charlie. made this plan being like i'm gonna go home and then like she didn't even think about whether or not her mom would be home until charlie brought it up yeah and was like she's coming home next week and then like that didn't change the plan either even right. though like pre- like presumably like she would have to see her mom if like the story was she was going to phoenix so it made sense to tell charlie that they should have gone somewhere completely random <laughs> yeah they should have gone to like portland maine yeah bring it over here there's this really outstanding paragraph towards the beginning of chapter 20 bella's waking up in a hotel room doesn't know what time it is and she's vaguely recalling details of the journey and she describes how on she remembers in the car alice sat with her in the back seat somehow during the long night my head had ended up against her granite neck my closeness didn't seem to bother her at all and her cool hard skin was oddly comforting to me the front of her thin cotton shirt was cold damp with the tears that streamed from my eyes until red and sore they ran dry wow wow <laughs> imagine you're alice and <laughs> you are sitting next to bella the first human that's touched you in 80 years 60, yeah a long time <laughs> and she's like crying on your shirt and you're like huh humans are weird like like alice doesn't even have memory of being human that's true yeah i feel like we touched it on this last time but like edward seems like so concerned that like jasper and alice won't be able to like handle themselves around bella and it's like give yeah them some credit like they do amazing fine. yeah they're yeah. doing fine yeah yeah so we're in phoenix tm now and bella doesn't feel like she's coming home yeah we've officially made that transition to forks being home this is like just the most depressing setting like being holed up in a dingy hotel room it's probably not dingy but i mean it probably is because it's like an airport hotel yeah i felt like this bit where she's kind of losing her sense of time and like doesn't Mm. really have any concept of when or or where she is i just felt like being in that situation is such a apt metaphor for leaving the human world like transitioning over into the vampire world where everything is like kind of timeless and not at the disposal of humanity yeah she just like doesn't know she wakes up and she sees that it's three on the like clock and she has to open the windows to find out if it's 3 p.m or 3 a.m and it's 3 Mm -hmm. a.m and she's gone completely nocturnal in the course of like 
a day. Uh, <laughs> She's been sleeping a lot. Like, are these depression naps? I wonder how much of it is Jasper, because we find out later that Jasper is forcing her to sleep when she becomes really worked up. Right. But I wonder how much of this is actually, like, Jasper all along, like, trying to get her to sleep. Because when she goes to sleep without Jasper's influence or when she goes to lay down without Jasper's influence, she's, like, very anxious and she can't sleep. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, like, I know this is annoying for her right now, but can you imagine, like, having, like, a sleepless night and then you go knock on Jasper's door and you're like, hey, could you fuck me up? Just absolutely... send me to dream town like just <laughs> knock me the fuck out knock me out please yes yeah. <laughs> i the love the handiest that. trick yeah yeah it would be great even if he d- couldn't do the emotion thing like none of that was part of it even if you just put people to sleep that would be really yeah. helpful well i mean he can't do it to vampires obviously but like i wonder if he could do it to the werewolves because if he could just Make them send sleep. them to sleep they would be absolutely no threat to anyone yeah that's true <laughs> Like, I don't know how physically, like, exhausting it is for Jasper to do that to someone, mm. but but if he could just send all of their, like, foes to sleep, like, <laughs> there's no fight. Yeah, I feel like that's underutilized. Totally. Alice and Jasper order Bella food from the room service menu or whatever, which I think is really funny. They don't talk about what kind of food it is, but just, like, the situational humor of vampires yeah. that haven't eaten for years, looking at a menu... And then ordering for Bella is so funny. Like, what did they choose? (laughs) I know. It's kind of a cop-out. She picks at it without noticing what it is. Yeah. That's not possible. (laughs) Yeah. First of all. I I wanted more there, for sure. I feel like the culinary history of the U.S. I don't know anything really about, but I'm sure that food has developed in dramatic ways since Alice um, was eating it. And she didn't even really have memories of what that was like Mm -hmm. anyway so i'm sure that she'd be like this looks great they do mention a little bit later on that there's some like fruit and it's like okay (laughs) and (laughs) twilight and food is so weird like it makes me feel like truly the person who doesn't eat food is stephanie meyer absolutely you know this gives me no indication that she's a human being no (laughs) yeah in so many ways (laughs) yeah she's transcended humanity (laughs) yeah absolutely there's a, a lot here of people telling Bella to stop worrying. And I'm like, what are you expecting her to do? Yeah. It's like, on the one hand, if Bella didn't fall for James's trap, I don't think that they would actually, like, be in danger. Just because there's so many of them. And I think, like, having to get Bella out of town doesn't even really make sense to me because it seems like the smart thing to do would be to stay together as a team of them all Mm -hmm. and then they're all there to take care of james when he does eventually come for bella this does pose a threat the way that he separates them out he gets it so that only some of them are in phoenix and some of them are in forks and some of them are following him and whatever it just seems like the smart thing to do would be to like do what they do in new moon right Mm -hmm. it's new Mm -hmm. moon right where they use her as bait or is that eclipse i think that's eclipse yeah, yeah eclipse, eclipse where they use her as bait for the the newborn army and they like are all there together so it's not as stressful or whatever it is it's frustrating that they tell her not to worry because it's like they should understand that that's not a possibility <laughs> right you know? it seems like they're worrying right like she can pick up on the fact that they're kind of tensely waiting for the phone to ring and also i feel like they're not really doing anything to like help her not worry other than jasper's like emotion control but if right. I were them, like, you're vampires who have lived this world for so long, you must have things to say. Why don't you fucking, like, tell her some stories? Right. Like, right. this is a great time to uh, to get some insight into, like, Jasper and Alice's backstories. Like, anything that they can remember. Obviously, like, Alice's is really short and whatever, but I don't know. It just seems like a good time for Alice to be like, you won't believe what the 1940s were like. Let me tell you all yeah. about it. Like, let me tell you yeah. what I remember. And then, like, Jasper could be like, let me tell you about living in the South or something like that. Like, let me tell you about the Civil War. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It just seems like they're just sitting there and they're not really, like, engaging with her. They're not engaging with her at all. Which is really weird. It's like, I'm sure that they're... They're bad babysitters. Yeah, they're, like, much more comfortable with silence than it seems like she is. Yeah. Yeah. They could do anything. Like, they could have gotten her a book 
or (laughs) something i don't know something yeah like it seems like it's so much more awful than it should be yeah she's just sitting around waiting with her i mean alice i guess is probably pretty busy like watching the future seeing the future yeah but jasper isn't so jasper's just watching the tv yeah. without i don't know if the it's TV. just like jasper is like sitting there like looking through the tv jasper i feel like maybe he's just uncomfortable and he doesn't want to stress bella out because like like edward did this but like edward has like talked up how bad jasper is at being around yeah. humans mm-hmm. it feels like jasper is now coming up against that stereotype doesn't want to like freak bella out doesn't want to like scare her and so mm. he's like not engaging with her in the way that he might otherwise yeah the only thing that they really say to her is alice she's freaking out and alice is like it's been almost a century that edward's been alone now he's found you you can't see the changes that we see we who have been with him for so long do you think any of us want to look into his eyes for the next hundred years if he loses you contextualizes it a bit but it's also like edward's gonna be a shitty roommate if you die and we don't want to deal with that specifically not necessarily like his loss or the loss of you bella but like we don't want to deal with his wrath (laughs) which is valid yeah. also but <laughs> it's like interesting like alice is kind of like trailing bella through this hotel suite like mm-hmm. bella will be like i'm gonna go to the front room and alice is like yeah i'm in the front room Me too. and then <laughs> bella's like i'm gonna go lay down and alice is like i suddenly also want to be in the bedroom yeah um <laughs> which like they talk a little bit they're talking about the situation i feel like the right appropriate thing to do in this moment is to distract with like anything else I always love this conversation where Alice actually tells Bella straight up how vampires become vampires. Like, I love that Alice is the one to give her the information. (laughs) That's like a true representation of friendship. (laughs) I like um, the bottom of 412. Alice tells Bella, I will always tell you the truth. I'm going to hold her to Um, that. Which I really, I love that. Like, I appreciate that. I also see now this relationship forming between bella and alice is really hard because we know that bella's gonna have a really hard time coming up very soon in new moon i also feel like this chapter these these couple of chapters really set up how bella feels in new moon Mm -hmm. before she even feels it because she is separated from edward for the first time since they've been together and she like describes it as like this like deep depression taking over her like she talks about like when when she talks to him on the phone she's like like what is it like sticking her head above water for the first time it's really intense and like it feels like it's setting us up for like how she's gonna feel when he is gone uh for like a longer period of time it's interesting i mean (sighs) her agency is denied a lot here and also in new moon when when they leave um she doesn't get a say in a lot of things really until like the end of new moon Mm -hmm. here like obviously she's the one i mean she's forced to do it kind of she's tricked to do it but she is deciding to to like say goodbye and like leave all this behind so like that's kind of the only the only choice that she gets is to decide that she's gonna die (laughs) which is kind of yeah i mean that's kind of the choice that she's trying to make for the rest of the series is like please make me a vampire like it's very i don't know it that's it's a little bit different but totally i'm annoyed by her lack of agency here and alice is like trying to assert that alice believes that bella has a right to know all this stuff and I don't know. If I were Alice, I'd push back against Edward a little bit more. Honestly, like even moving into New Moon, I wish that yeah. some of this energy had carried forward where Alice would stay in contact with Bella. Like it could have like changed the way that New Moon played out if Alice had contact with Bella. Like I feel like it wouldn't necessarily have needed to get to the point where it got in New Moon, where both Edward and Bella are doing these incredibly <laughs> Romeo and Juliet oh, things. God. Um, they're awful because <laughs> it seems like alice is willing to be transparent and like yeah i don't know it feels like if alice could be like yeah edward's fine how are you doing and then bella could be like i'm doing fucking awful alice like right and it, it would just be know. better for her mental health i think to like not feel like yeah basically gaslit and like have all of her memory everything but her memories taken away from her um having to do with yeah. that world god it's so wild yeah, we'll get there when we get there. We'll get there. <laughs> they talk about transformations. Yeah. They talk about how hard it is to, like, turn people into vampires and how, like, it's really difficult for them, whatever. But it's, like, by Breaking Dawn, they come up with the solution of injecting the venom. Right. And as someone who's thought about this for, like, a really long time, Carlisle should have thought about that. 
yeah before then i just can't believe like i feel like we've talked about this on the podcast before but i just can't believe how much they played her by being like oh it's gonna be really difficult like i don't think i can do it and at the end he just pulls out this injection of his venom like bitch yeah you got played even the people that like want her to have her choice like alice and whatever they're like going along with it like i would be like man he's fucking lying like they've got syringes of venom all over the place yeah (laughs) my god i feel like in life and death it's like archie offers to change beau because edith isn't like willing or like isn't sure or like is hesitating or whatever and archie's like i'll fucking do it i'll do it i feel like if i were alice i would be like i'll do it i'll do it i'll do it like until like please let me do it (laughs) like and if i were if i were bella i would probably be like alice why don't you just change me into a vampire we can skip this whole charade like this whole like emotional roller coaster that edward is putting her on oh alice and i are gonna have a girls weekend we're going away for three days don't call us (laughs) and then she comes back a vampire (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh my god that would be so funny yeah it would edward would be mad at her for the rest of her life and that's so funny i don't even think any of the other collins would be mad because they would see how hilarious it is rosalie would be like can i come yeah And Emmett probably uh, actually is in on it, and he's just laughing the whole time at home, like, yeah. keeping Edward at home. <laughs> that's just oh, such that's a nice, amazing. safe way around it. It's entirely safe, and, like, it would give Bella the autonomy to, like, figure out everything that she wanted to figure out before doing it, and then, like, keeping away the drama of Edward and, like, not letting him yeah. worry about it while it's happening. Also, if they do have syringes, like, they say the transformation takes three days. I don't know why. I don't know. <laughs> What's the logic of, like, something taking three days to spread through your bloodstream because i feel like your blood circulates through you a lot faster than that actually i yeah i agree and i think they mention that like the distance from your heart that the venom starts right it plays so a like factor. if it's in your finger it's further it takes fucking forever but yeah. when edward injects her with uh, in breaking dawn with venom like it's into her heart and then i also think that he's biting like all over her body basically yeah <laughs> to like accelerate the process and i still think it takes two days maybe it's because there's something else going on like maybe it's not just the venom in your in the blood maybe it's like all the other things that are happening i don't know it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense (laughs) that's a long time that's probably like canonically and like different vampire lore like the longest amount of time it takes for someone to become a vampire definitely right absolutely for evolutionary purposes it shouldn't take longer than a night because in a lot of vampire lore vampires can't be out during the day Anyway, love that Alice is sharing that information. But something different, I mean, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but is that all of this stuff, once she actually goes on this chase with James, it's all happening in broad daylight. It's happening before noon, which makes a lot more sense logistically. It's not as spooky. It's not at at night, but it makes a lot more sense because the Cullens can't follow her on foot. That's true. Because they can't go outside. They have to be in a car. I guess that makes sense for James, too. I don't know. I like get... James sucks. James sucks, and He's also gross. Bella sucks for falling for his trap. It's like prove me wrong. Yeah, yeah. I always like to think that maybe there's a situation where she could have been like, okay, this is what just happened, but we need to make him think that like I'm on my own. I just think about crime shows and like police. Fuck the police, but like <laughs> crime shows when like people are like don't wear a wire don't bring any police with you i'll know and they never know the police yeah, are just the always are waiting know? like three houses away right. like they just have to park their stupid car somewhere else and then like they can just be there it's like right. if alice and jasper like knew about this i just think they could have like planned ahead been a few miles down the road yeah and then fucking been there you know i mean she already like is gonna smell like alice and jasper so like that scent will be on her already there's so many like layers like they had this plan and like james has these other plans and then like james was ahead of them the whole time and it's like it would have been a lot better if like bam the cullens were ahead of him the whole time like yeah (laughs) and knew that you know at the end like had the upper hand instead of just kind of like everyone getting hurt (laughs) Um, i feel like this is kind of a product of bella not knowing enough about vampires to know what kind of a threat james is because she's been held out of these conversations for so long that like 
or that she just hasn't known them for that long so that like maybe she thinks that he's more powerful than he is like because there's no way that he would know if Jasper and Alice were waiting around because he can't read minds and he can't whatever even if she didn't include them in the plans even if she was like i don't know if she could have just been like hey is my mom in phoenix alice can you see that or like can we research that and like see like if she like if she is where she said she is totally also hinges on this fact that renee is unreachable which i think is like unrealistic also like (laughs) this interesting thing where like it's on like 421 it says that she thinks about calling Charlie but wasn't sure mm-hmm. if she should be home by now or not. She, uh, I just think, like, it's so unrealistic that as a 17-year-old girl, her dad wouldn't be calling her every hour to see if but she was okay after she fled. She doesn't have a phone number. She doesn't have a cell phone. Oh, that's right. Like, the phone they're calling on is, like, a burner phone from the Collins. This isn't her phone, which is wild. <laughs> like, adds this whole other level to it. Oh, my God changes everything <laughs> it does like the just like the normal tracking that you or i could do on someone over the internet is like not a part of this i mean they're they're doing everything not digitally basically like victoria That's goes right. and accesses physical school records at forks high school james is like using the fucking like vhs tapes <laughs> like because that's his only way to have like digital evidence of of renee it's very interesting it's very dated um like when she does go to her house to call the phone number like stephanie meyer doesn't describe the phone but it's presumably Mm -hmm. like a house phone like a cord phone it's so unbelievable to me that charlie would ever let her go even now yeah with with that context like she's gonna be unreachable for three days on a road trip she's never probably taken a road trip before because she's never owned a car before like where's she gonna stay like mm-hmm. she, she said she would pull over to the side of the road and sleep in a truck like i feel like he would not be i feel like you'd fucking follow her yeah you know yeah i don't know like, where what's... where is her truck right now like because rosalie and esme took it but like where is it they must have hit it somewhere that's super but i feel like that could really backfire <laughs> this entire time they completely rule out the possibility that james could be going to phoenix because yeah they're like well like, he'll never go there yeah. edward calls and and is like she like he got on this flight to forks and it's like you didn't think he could possibly be going to phoenix like mm-hmm. I, in my mind the second he goes to an airport he could be anywhere you know yeah so like tighten sure. up security around like phoenix tighten like yeah i don't know also on 421, she leaves her mom the message and says, I closed my eyes and prayed with all my might that no unforeseen change of plans would bring her home before she got my message. Is Bella's praying? Yeah, weird, right? So random. I don't know. She's never prayed before, so I don't know what that's about. This entire section of the book, I just like look at it and I'm like, what kind of, what fucking book is this? She just gets more and more desperate. She like seems to become like more and more unraveled, which makes sense. She's in an incredibly stressful situation. She even gives like the cross street of the ballet studio right to alice and jasper and that's the second where i start to think like if i were alice and jasper and the ballet studio is in the future of this whole james and bella situation bella runs away from me at the airport you know where i would go the ballet studio cactus yeah (laughs) yeah like i i don't understand how like they lose her in the airport they're like oh no, where did she go? And then there's enough time for her to go to the Hyatt. Yeah, to, to, take, a, to take the shuttle to the Hyatt, to yeah. take a cab out to Scottsdale. like, And then to walk all the way to the ballet studio without yeah. Alice and Jasper being like, maybe we should go to the ballet studio that she gave us the address to. I mean, maybe that, maybe that is how it happens, but we don't know. But Yeah, it just makes me wonder, like, how did it take them so long? Like, even Bella having, like, home field advantage of, like, knowing where things are and stuff, it just seems like they would be able to, like, go right there. That's kind of the end of the chapter, right? Yeah, that's pretty much the end of the chapter. Should we do a... You want to do Love at First Bite? Love at First Bite? Yeah. Okay, welcome to Love at First Bite. (laughs) Podcast within a podcast. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We're running out of steam with these. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So this person is... I'm going to do the math. 240 <laughs> years old at least. <laughs> at okay. least. Okay. That's, that's right. Yeah. 
240 yeah, yeah. 18 yeah okay okay so the, the pictures uh are of them uh and they are <laughs> outside in they- the forest <laughs> fighting play fighting with their siblings for fun okay okay and uh 200 that's not right is it i don't know <laughs> i'm gonna subtract real quick that was incorrect they're 150 years old <laughs> okay <laughs> just can't count and so they're you know outside play fighting with their siblings there's a picture of them with what looks to be their partner and then the bio is not looking for romance looking for a vampire to fight me for (laughs) practice and then the 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 song is (laughs) the song is the song that i literally just found out existed five seconds ago which is um a remix of yankee doodle oh my god for the civil war called dixie doodle and it's about the american south um okay (laughs) wait is it is it james no (laughs) okay 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 i didn't think so (laughs) wait (laughs) wait are the photos of them with their siblings um like old-timey photos from 100 years ago (laughs) (laughs) no it's like it's it's current day photos of them outside uh training and and they're all wearing matching jewelry okay (laughs) (laughs) is is it jasper yeah it's jasper okay (laughs) i feel like if jasper used a dating app it would be to find vampires in the area that wanted to practice fight with him yeah and so he would include a bunch of pictures of alice and him yeah like i am not looking for a relationship <laughs> i feel like it'd also have to be like i'm not looking for a threesome yeah, unless he was yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right that's Maybe. funny dixie <laughs> on to the next oh, chapter am i swiping right or left well oh, yeah. i think on on that because he's trying to fight and also that's a very racist song i'm gonna swipe left <laughs> <laughs> i feel like also i think he's in a cult <laughs> yeah it looks like he's in a cult from that for sure I feel like the racism is a great reason to swipe left. I don't buy that you would not swipe right on someone looking to fight. Because (laughs) (laughs) I feel like in a world where it was like an even match where you were a vampire and also, what, kickboxing? Yeah. (laughs) I think that you would absolutely be like, yeah, let's let's fight. You have me there. You have me there. That's for sure. <laughs> if I'm a vampire, then then yeah, I would probably oh, want to yeah. fight. Especially if I think he's a racist piece of shit, then yes, I want to fight. <laughs> <sighs> Chapter 21. <laughs> it's called Phone Call. Phone Call. It opens with this incredibly dr- dramatic exchange between Jasper, Alice, and Bella, where <laughs> Alice is drawing something that looks familiar to Bella, and instead of saying, hey, that's my mom's house, she yeah. says... The phone goes the phone over goes there. there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hate that it. That line sends me every time. Oh, my God. I hate it. It's like, uh, I just feel like the urgency of the situation and she still takes the time to be so dramatic about it. Yeah. My God. <laughs> the commitment to the drama is admirable. So that sends them into a frenzy and Jasper tries to put her to sleep, which is pretty annoying. Actually, she is very much denied agency in this moment where they're just like, time for you to pass out because we don't want to make you feel better. We just want you to be unconscious so that we can make decisions for you. Absolutely. Bad. It's like they need practice in like dealing with a human. I've said it before. I'll say it again. They all need to go yeah. to therapy. Like yeah. they need to set up boundaries and like who can use their gift on bella and when and like how to do that consensually i don't know yeah and then here's the plot here it is it's really here this time Uh, (laughs) the final plot (laughs) this is it uh james calls under the guise that it's bella's mom which i don't know i feel like it's like a big risk how do they not hear how do they not hear him on the phone i don't know that's a huge plot point that i just don't understand like going into the next room will do nothing they can hear when she wakes up 
yeah they can hear her like biological essentially like, yeah, yeah like her heart her food digest know. and stuff i don't know I just know. like also i don't buy that like alice wouldn't i don't know it's a it's a big risk for james to take i feel for alice yeah. to to like not listen in not listen in i feel like if alice did what would hit like he'd have to start over he only has so many sound bites of renee and it's just for saying bella maybe that's just part of his skill is that he has that sixth sense which kind of like explains away his ability to perceive how people are going to react to things how how people are going to act in certain situations and he has like the experience of knowing how people might act like so much so that he's gotten bored of hunting humans because they're predictable and too easy this conversation is so creepy to me like it makes me so nervous yeah it like it's makes my skin crawl <laughs> yeah it's so gross like the way that he makes her say thank you mom and i love you mom is like fucked up to me <laughs> it's it's literally like it turned into a different genre of book it feels like a horror yeah it just feels so gross and like even yeah even like later in when they're interacting in person it just seems so it almost feels like more menacing than they even portrayed in the movie like it seems scarier in the book for some reason maybe it's because of those words the way he's speaking yeah i think that he's creepier maybe in the book because he's more commonplace they make him more visually creepy in the movie in a way Mm. that like you automatically know that he's dangerous but in the book you don't know right away and he's yeah i don't know the way he's described the like the tone of his voice is supposed to be really casual supposed to be like that kind of horror where it's like it's scary because of how normal this person is presenting also it's super rapey yeah that's yeah that's the thing it's like bella doesn't know what she's walking into i feel like the way that it's played in the movie and the way that they even kind of played in the book is like bella's like oh i'm gonna go die and it's like you don't know you don't know what he's gonna do to you what else you're gonna walk into there like yeah you don't like she doesn't even anticipate the fact that he's going to torture her physically torture her and like hurt her before she's killed she is not even worrying about what she's going to experience like she's not even afraid she's just so desperate to keep her mom and like all the cullens out of it that she yeah she doesn't stop to think about all the possibilities i feel like if this wasn't a children's book there might actually be a more transparent threat of sexual violence you know the way that he even like goes up to her and like is like touching her neck like her throat right. and her face when they do um end up in the in the ballet studio is like i was like oh yeah like, i think we touched on this before but like it's not even about her like she's just an object to him and it's about the competition with edward yeah you know he's it's about taking something that belongs to him away yeah. from him and making him come after it and and like fight about it and she that's what she's trying to avoid but like that's what james is trying to do i was thinking i was like what did i think when i read this the first time when i was like 13 maybe someone who hasn't like experienced sexual violence wouldn't read that as a threat but bella has like Mm -hmm. come so close right before in the um in port angeles like in the the alleyway scene that like I don't know how she's not worried about that. I haven't thought about that too. Like, it's not her first rodeo in terms of um, being like the threat of assault, basically, or any kind of threat to her uh, life or well-being. And I don't know, her, she's so much more scared here. Mm -hmm. Maybe that is her like realizing that it's more dangerous. But because like in the alley, it's like she was very logically thinking through a bunch of stuff maybe she wasn't as scared there there because like it was it didn't involve like her mom or anyone else that she cared about maybe the, it's because yeah. the stakes are higher because it's more than just her that seems like what it is because the way that i mean this is getting to the next chapter but the way that she relaxes yeah. when she realizes it's not actually her mom there yeah she's like oh okay it's gonna be fine and then like she describes like her reactions it's like she's trying to run away but she doesn't even like it's not like a choice that she's like trying to escape it's like a involuntary like body response also she writes edward this letter and i am so emo (laughs) reading it it's so sad i'm so sad (laughs) uh she says edward i love i can already picture him ripping it to shreds when he gets it edward i love you i'm so sorry he has my mom and i have to try i know it may not work i'm so so very sorry don't be 
angry with Alice and Jasper. If I get away from them, it will be a miracle. Tell them thank you for me, Alice especially. And please, please don't come after him. That's what he wants, I think. I can't bear it if anyone has to be hurt because of me, especially you. Please, this is the only thing I can ask of you now for me. I love you. Forgive me, Bella. Just kill me right like, now. Ugh. Ugh. And then she says, So sad. I folded the, the letter carefully and sealed it in the envelope. Eventually he would find it. I only hoped he would understand and listen to me just this once. And then I carefully sealed away my heart. Just end me right now. That's so it's sad. so sad. I'm not okay. It's also like... <laughs> I wonder what happens to this letter. I don't know that it makes it to Edward. I guess that's a Midnight Sun detail that we'll find out. My guess would be that, like, once they realize Bella's missing, they tear into that letter. Yeah. Can you imagine being yeah. Alice and Jasper reading that letter? Oh, my God. <laughs> Honestly, if I were Alice, like, I would read it regardless. Like, even if it was yeah. for her mom, I would still read it. Like, that's just yeah. me. But yeah, <laughs> like, while she went to the bathroom or, like, got yeah, breakfast. I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> Not even when she was missing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, the next Being nosy can. has its perks, yeah. Okay, chapter cool. 22. Hide and seek. So now Bella is faced with this impossible task of escaping from Alice and Jasper. That's the most stressful part, honestly, is like trying to get away from the two people who are trying to take care of you. Yeah, like they're so overbearing. Yeah, Bella just completely like has the plan. And Alice is having a vision of this happening and is not communicating it. Bella guesses later that it's that she knows that Bella's going to end up in the in the ballet studio, but not because of Bella betraying them, quote unquote, but because yeah. of James finding like some way in. But that is the way in. Yeah, it calls into question how specific Alice's visions can get or whatever. And, and I think yeah. that's the inconsistency between now, like these this book and like the later books that Stephanie's trying to remedy that, that like with Bo making like a split second decision. Right so weird okay here's the thing here's another bone i have to pick with the way that alice and jasper react if i knew as alice that james was coming to phoenix Mm -hmm. and was going to that ballet studio and bella's house yeah and if i were jasper i would not let her go to the bathroom by herself i'd be like sorry i hate to do this to you i'll close my eyes but I will be standing with you in the stall. <laughs> you don't get <laughs> to be alone when yeah. there's a vampire coming after you. Like, I'll turn around and close my eyes and try not to listen. But, like, <laughs> you're going to have to pee in front of me. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how they let her get away. Or, or at least be like, sorry, you. I'll get Alice for you to do this so that she could like literally go in without turning heads or go to a different fucking bathroom that's like a single stall or whatever. Anything. I just can't imagine letting her out of my sight knowing that James is going to be in Phoenix. Like, Yeah, they really just relied on like the stereotype that like a man would be very uncomfortable with going into the woman's bathroom or like that can never happen. It could never happen, you know? When was this book published? <laughs> 2006, 2005. 2005. Such a 2005 thing. Like, if I were Jasper, I would simply walk into the women's restroom and be like, here we are together. Yeah. (laughs) Like, (laughs) oh, God. I I imagine that Stephanie Meyer really relied on her personal knowledge of not only Phoenix in general, but the Phoenix airport and this specific bathroom, which I'm pretty confident probably exists. You know, I feel like she probably Yeah, I'm sure it does. Like all this relies on this one bathroom in the Phoenix airport that has two exits. Yeah, and I've seen bathrooms like that. It makes sense that Bella would hold on to that memory as someone who doesn't travel a lot. Yeah, and is a Virgo (laughs) and isn't in airports a lot, but I wonder if anyone's ever tried to visit it. Also, this is this is not like (laughs) You should do that. I'm gonna (laughs) I always kind of imagined I mean, this is 2005, so, like, there's airport security because it's post-9-11, but they're not past security. Like, they're not in the secure part of the airport. They're, like, in the True. place that doesn't have a lot of options. She goes all the way up to, like, the third floor of, like, the outside part of the terminal, which is a little bit weird. Well, are they not past security? They're by the metal detectors. I feel like they're oh. right at security. But they, I feel like they I should know. be in baggage claim. Like, they should be outside baggage claim. And they probably felt so stupid after when Edward landed and they were like, oh, we lost Bella. Edward would yeah. be like, you had one job. Right. He's going to fly into a fucking rage. I was in Phoenix just 
a mere like two months before I read Twilight for the first time. I feel like if I had read Twilight already, I would have been losing my mind. But so I don't really remember the airport because I was 13 years old. Yeah. And you know, Stephanie lives in Glendale, Arizona at this point. That's where she was living when she published Twilight. So I kind of wonder if she went to the airport and just like found a way to make it work. (laughs) Yeah. It's very much reliant on the layout of the airport. I think that Bella's plan to get on that Hyatt shuttle to the hotel makes a lot of sense. It's really quick thinking. I also, you know, I've already said this, but I just don't believe that that Alice and Jasper wouldn't make it there before her. I feel like when she was in the bathroom for more than like two minutes unless jasper was like i don't know how long it takes for humans to pee (laughs) i feel like (laughs) in a world where twilight took place with smartphones jasper would be blowing up her phone and googling how long does it take human girl to pee he probably human girl tampon time (laughs) (laughs) i feel like if they had phones though he wouldn't have to go stand in the stall with her he could just facetime her like while she was peeing (laughs) You're right. She does escape. She makes it out. She gets on that airport hotel shuttle. She gets a cab. This really threw me. Yeah. She tells the the cabbie her mother's address and he says, that's in Scottsdale. And I'm like, Scottsdale is not in Phoenix. That is a whole ass other city. Bella has been lying about what city she's from. She has. And then (laughs) she pays him off with $100. Wait, no. It's no, it's 80. (laughs) 80 80 dollars $80 and (laughs) I can't multiply and he's like okay fine and then she's like I'm gonna spend this 20 minute drive thinking about Edward I was like a 20 minute cab drive for $80 not $80 not in in 2005 I mean what else is she gonna do with her money (laughs) she's dying I guess it's also just like it shows that she's never been alone before like self-sufficient before that she's like which is I'm doesn't make any throw sense you 80 dollars yeah. right like i don't know it doesn't make any sense um it doesn't make sense to me that she would be from scottsdale i've been to scottsdale you're like <laughs> she doesn't fit in with the vibe no <laughs> here's the point well first of all scottsdale is not phoenix i was just trying to do google it because i guess it's considered part of like the phoenix metropolitan area as as is like glendale mm-hmm. for example and like all of those bordering cities it, but it's not like mm-hmm. New York where it's like a borough of Phoenix. That's, that doesn't exist in Phoenix as far as I'm aware. Right. It's literally just the city that borders Phoenix to the northeast. I was like yeah. really surprised when she said Scottsdale because Scottsdale is like famously the richy rich part of Phoenix metropolitan area. And I think yeah. we've established that Bella is not richy rich. <laughs> She's not. And also Scottsdale is a big enough town city to like call it scottsdale and have people be able to culturally recognize that that's scottsdale i don't know maybe that's just something that people in that area do maybe they say they're in phoenix and they're not really in phoenix but i don't know that um but i found it strange that she never mentioned it before i'm gonna start saying that i live in la <laughs> <laughs> that's very i'm gonna be like i live in los angeles i'm gonna say i live I in boston <laughs> which is something that i do do. say sometimes (laughs) so like when i'm traveling and people don't know where the heck i'm from yeah but i thought it was weird like a weird oversight that she would be from scottsdale because i mean i'm sure there is like class diversity tm in scottsdale but like what i know of scottsdale is that like that's where like people from like white people from all over the country go there to retire and play golf and when i looked it up it did say it was like kind of like the richer snootier area which i would guess would be whiter if you're from arizona right in i was also reflecting on that and like thinking about what bella's school experience would be like because she i feel like she did mention that her school had people from lots of different like class backgrounds is that did she say that Mm. or am i imagining that no i think she did say that i think being from arizona and being from the phoenix area in general would mean that your school had a lot of racial diversity unless she was going to a rich school but she isn't or did it wasn't so i was just thinking about how like she never commented on like the the racial makeup of forks high school in comparison because i feel like that would be so different i feel like i would show up in forks and be like it's so white here (laughs) yeah even like i feel like you know she's white but people noticed that like when i started college it was a huge change coming from a fairly diverse high school in florida to oh my god there's white people everywhere in maine yeah and and only white people yeah so i felt like that was weird bella is like lower middle class probably Mm -hmm. if not upper working class it also bears to like the question like bella's taking care of the finances and blah blah blah, whatever but like how aware is she of their like class 
location. When she left home and when she was in Forks and what she just utilized now was her sock full of money. Right. Which I feel like is such like a 2005 working class thing to do. For sure. Yeah. I think about like people that I knew when they were 17 and parents had already like set up like credit cards for them for like emergencies Mm. and stuff like that. And like Bella has a sock full of money. (laughs) I remember being like, why are you grabbing that? Like the Collins are going to pay for everything. But then like she really needs it in this situation. She wouldn't be able to go anywhere without it. That's true. Which is just like another thing in like James's plan Mm. that doesn't make sense to me because it's like if I were James, I wouldn't be like you need to just find a way to get get away from Alice like and Jasper like I like they're they're two vampires babysitting her. I don't know how possible. I don't know how he thought that was possible. Yeah, he was like just do it. (laughs) Yeah, just figure it out. And it's like yeah, she did, but like it hinged on the fact that she had money. It hinged on the fact that she knew the airport that they were at. It hinged on like xyz so situational she does get to her house briefly Mm -hmm. calls the number calls him again he says meet me at the ballet studio she runs there she runs there which sounds awful she is like it's like hot as balls out she falls and scrapes her hands because she's running so fast and she's clumsy i get that like she's stressed out about her mom but in the back of my mind i'm like if you had fucking walked or been like james uh Mm. i appreciate this i have to shit like (laughs) you could have bought 10 minutes Mm -hmm. alice and jasper and edward could have caught up to you just a little bit faster she really genuinely is not hope is hoping that they will not show up i don't know why she thinks that they won't come like you can hope that and know that they're not going and know that they are going to come because if she considered at all that like they were absolutely going to follow her she could stall it's interesting because she talks about how good she is at planning the first plan it's her idea this whole thing was her idea and then when it comes down to this actual stressful situation with like her mom involved Mm. it's like that entire part of her like analytical planning brain is gone under pressure yeah which you know makes sense but it's also like I don't know. She could have bought like five, ten minutes. They would have been there. I wonder how much time really does pass. I don't think it's very much time. I mean, she goes unconscious, so we don't really know. She was like bleeding a lot by the time she goes unconscious. Yeah. And I don't think he would have held out for that much longer. It's not like he was like sitting there with her unconscious for that long. So I'm pretty sure Edward was like immediately there. Yeah, the only time that we get back to that, like, analytical part of her, she literally says, after this is happening on 445, some analytical part of my mind warned me that I was dangerously close to snapping from the stress. Usually we're getting a lot more of that from her, but she's really leading with fear here, which makes sense. Yeah. And we, like, really see her go through, like, the fight-flight-freeze mm-hmm. without the fighting part. She doesn't fight. Yeah. Um, in the movie, she does. <laughs> she pepper sprays a yeah. vampire, which is hilarious. But in this, she freezes yeah, and then amazing. she runs. This chapter is so creepy. Um, it's so creepy. Yeah, we're getting into the part where James is being very creepy. <laughs> yeah, she clearly realizes her mom is not actually involved and she completely relaxes. And, like, she then is like, okay, well, cool. I hope this is, ends with me and that jasper and alice and edward and etc like and my parents don't get involved and that this is good enough for him and that it'll be over and it's like that's not gonna happen self it's literally self-sacrificing to the point of self-destruction i know that like this like that's the point of the self-sacrificing but it's like she didn't even think in her attempt to be to take care of everyone i don't know she just didn't consider that like they would come after her it doesn't make any sense this is the part where james is being like honestly so icky he's recording her like the realization that he's recording them is so gross to me that really creeps me out and at that point i feel like if i were in that situation i would be like something incredibly traumatic is about to happen to me even if i make it through this alive like in a world where this isn't a children's book there this could go a million different ways like yeah it could be so much worse. James says to her, I'm sorry, but I just don't think he'll be able to resist hunting me after he watches this, and I wouldn't want him to miss anything. It was all for him, of course. It just, like, it seems so much like he's, like, going to rape her and then send a video of it to Edward. That's what it feels like, for sure. And it's yeah. like, I wonder how intentionally, or, like, if Stephanie ever, ever thought about it that way. I don't you know? know. Yeah. I can't see her including explicit sexual violence beyond 
the flashback of like rosalie oh yeah i can't see her doing it to like bella i can't see her putting through a character in that through that in real time in her book because i just don't think she would yeah and she also doesn't she doesn't like consider well i don't know if she considers like jacob forcing her to kiss her twice to be assault i doubt it yeah i don't know she does i don't remember it reads so much like that now but i wonder like how aware she is because say a lot mm-hmm. of things about it it's just gross and then there's this part where james does talk about alice and how yeah. he knew alice i, I didn't wasn't remember sure if that was in there yeah i never yeah, remember this part we talked about that i think last time but yeah i didn't remember it being in twilight um yeah definitely remembered it in life and death and it's still here so and then he tells her that, that she smells good fuck you yeah it's extremely predatory like she starts to feel sick and then she tries to run away and she knows that it's like pointless but like she still tries mm-hmm. yeah it's like so 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 disgusting i think this the, um, the most disturbing part is probably when she she's realizing that it's not going to be a quick death for her and that he's about to like hurt her and does so she breaks a leg her head gets cut open a bit mm-hmm. and I, she also takes a couple more blows does he bite her here or no it doesn't say that it says like he says like a sharp rip across her scalp she feels really nauseous because of her blood because like she gets sick when she smells blood which is something that we knew from blood type and now she's bleeding all over the place so she feels like physically ill (laughs) as well which is like not helpful he must bite her in the next chapter she like closes her eyes and like falls unconscious basically yeah and that's the end of the chapter fun what really a great fun, fun we love place. the plot <laughs> yeah the plot the plot did this to bella but there's only like 50 pages left yeah like the, an the episode book is really basically rapidly wrapping up which is wild i don't know what it is i don't know what it is about this plot that bothers me so much it feels like an afterthought it feels like stephanie wrote this book to like establish the characters and then yeah. felt like she needed to write a plot too right and then she yeah. was like all right how about this <laughs> i was reflecting on that earlier i because I, I do, like, I really like stories that where the plot is, like, pretty small and extremely character-focused. Like, when people don't feel like there's a plot to the story, even if there is, then they're like, nothing happens in this mm-hmm. book. Like, I feel like there are a lot of people, especially yeah. people who read fantasy, who want there to be, like, an intricate, very involved plot. I personally really love when a story is a lot more character-focused and totally internal. And I think we get that for, like, the first part of Twilight. I just read... um normal people by sally rooney and that's an extremely Mm -hmm. internal book if anyone's read it and like it's like masterfully done like there definitely is a way where you can write a story that is not heavily reliant on some intricate plot and it's still like deeply fascinating Mm -hmm. and moving and i just feel like we need to abolish the um plot driven industrial complex of publishing (laughs) let people write what they want to write i'm reading the book that i stole from you over christmas the paris wife oh yeah it's so good i'm like reading it and i've read it a good chunk of it close to nothing has happened Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they tell you what's going to happen and it's historical fiction so Mm -hmm. you know what's going to happen it's about uh ernest hemingway's first wife and it's like even knowing that he has a first wife it's like you know something's going to go wrong yeah um and they tell you in the like they tell you in like the, the prologue they're like this is about how this woman comes in and ruins everything for us and so it doesn't even matter like the plot doesn't matter it's like not that's not what it's about (laughs) right it's about the like the Um, emotional experience of the characters hot take that's also fun to read about there's definitely a lot of potential in this universe for for like intricate plots but it's never like that intricate (laughs) i guess it almost seems like she had this dream about what twilight was supposed to be and she had this dream about like the ending of the the series like she always knew how it was kind of gonna track out right but it seems like the story that she was most interested in telling was the story of edward and bella's relationship right because i think what she saw happening at the end was like them being together and like she felt like that wasn't enough and so she added these like mini plots of like obstacles should we plug something yeah let's plug a piece of writing or theory slash theory written by a black feminist ah okay i would like to plug visualizing the body western yes! theories and african yes! subjects by oh arya runke oh yeah i love that one so much <laughs> <laughs> 
that was on my reading list for my honors thesis really yeah i think i put that as like one of the, like the top 10 texts that like influenced my thinking in college yeah i just God, I should reread like, that recently yeah i just recently like thumbed through it for something i was working on for work mm-hmm. and i was like oh my god <laughs> so good let me see if i can find a pdf it'd be cool if we could uh we could link it i'm going to recommend a classic that everyone should read and it's only three pages long the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house by audrey lord it's an excellent excellent one yeah i will link that also basically this is about like the focus on like the western focus on like sight and vision Mm. as a way of understanding bodies and like gender and race etc and it's like challenging that yeah it's so good yeah this one is about the tools of oppressive systems that already exist and oppressed people um cannot be used to dismantle those same systems it's about doing that internal work um and it's really really good and it's a classic i'll put a link i'm also going to recommend um at the dark end of the street by daniel mcguire mm. i've been meaning to plug that more in social media but that is a really really good book that kind of undoes the revisionist history of the civil rights movement um and mm-hmm. explains how that movement was completely created by black women specifically back black women organizing around Um, sexual violence and tells the story of rosa parks for like who she actually was which is really um important (laughs) so i would definitely recommend that book if you're looking for a longer read um but we can link these pdfs too if you like the things that we say on this podcast then you'll love the things that (laughs) black women have been saying for decades (laughs) absolutely (laughs) (laughs) everything i know is because of black women so for sure yeah yeah (laughs) literally literally everything yeah i'm not exaggerating cool yeah well thank you for listening catch you next time for probably the last episode like the main episode of the season cool that's all forks